In the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. One of the gifts of Advent every year is that we get to meet John again. John the Baptist, the ascetic preacher who lived in the wilderness, a man of faith who probably was altogether very odd and certainly had some very rough edges. This is not a warm and fuzzy pastor kind of figure. He wasn't someone that you would want to spend a lot of time with or be best friends with. He's probably not someone you would really want to go to in a time of tragedy when you were upset. But John was a prophet and he had a message. He had work to do and nothing was going to stand in his way. There's something wild about John um, that we have to contend with every year when we meet him in Advent. And actually there's probably several wild things just from the reading you heard. He eats locusts and wild honey and wears leather and camel's hair. It invites us to picture him, to imagine him out there in the wilderness, in the elements, probably living in a cave, not a house, in the middle of the desert, maybe with one of the ascetic religious communities that grew up in the wilderness at that time. His dark, thick, probably wavy hair and brown skin, his mysterious eyes that have seen more than we can imagine, John cuts quite the character, and he comes into town only to declare that the secular world is sinful, which is, by the way, a great opening line for an itinerant preacher, right? Isn't that what everyone wants to hear when the preacher comes into town, just swinging into civilization just to criticize it and to judge it? And when we find him today in the beginning of Mark's gospel, what we hear is that he just sort of magically appears in the wilderness. There's no introduction. Mark just says, there he is in the wilderness. And we know that's not exactly true because elsewhere in scripture, we know more of his story, that he was a long awaited, almost miracle child, that Elizabeth and Zechariah couldn't believe that he was coming. And even his parents are told before he's born that he is coming into the world, not just to fulfill their dreams, but because he has a purpose a message, a mission. And so as an adult, he begins preaching and proclaiming a baptism of repentance. And the main point then for him, his main drive, his prophetic message is one of stop. <laughs> stop doing what you're doing. Stop giving into the ways of the world that is corrupt and broken. Know that as God's people, you don't belong to this world. And do better, live better, live differently. Be different. Know that you are a part of God's world, and God expects more, expects better. And while you might think, all right, John, but really, who wants to hear that, especially at this time of year? Who wants to have you swing into town and judge us and call us sinful and tell us that we have to do better? His message grew and grew, and he drew these huge crowds. And when he wasn't in the city, people would travel days out into the wilderness to see him, to hear him, to be baptized by him, because the people were starving for something real. They were starving for the truth, for something that would make their lives matter, because they knew that there was something wrong with the world around them. They knew that they didn't quite fit. They knew that things weren't as they should be. And they just had that sort of lingering feeling that there was something more. And so even, even though it was probably hard for them sometimes to hear his words and to take them in, even though the truth from John's lips certainly was abrasive, 
Many of the people who heard him stretched themselves to hear it. And they start following John out into the wilderness, listening carefully to what he has to say, and then actually signing up for a new way of life. When John pushes them under the water in the Jordan, holds them there, and then lets them come back up, having been baptized, it's clear that John thinks that they are beginning a new life. Everything about John's baptism was marked by the expectation of this new life, that life would be different. New life that was singly focused on preparing for the Messiah, the one who John knew was coming after him. Their baptism was supposed to change them so that they could go live differently in the world, so that they could prepare themselves and the world around them for Jesus. Now, part of John's gift, part of the legacy he leaves behind, part of why he was so successful, part of why we continue to remember him so vividly, aside from the fact that he's sort of this wild, fantastic character, the reason that we know John as well as we do is because John was exceedingly clear about who he was. He knows from his very birth that he has a purpose. He is the one who comes like the voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. John is the voice that was sent to prepare the people of Israel for Jesus, and he knows this. He knows that it's his work to prepare their hearts for growth, their ears for hearing, their eyes for seeing. And because he knows who he is, he is not afraid to speak this truth to call the people to the work of faithful living. He is not afraid of what they will think of him or whether or not people will like him. In fact, his faith, his persistence, leads him into some very dangerous places as he condemns the royalty and the powers of the day because he can see that God's people are suffering. And he refuses to be silent, and ultimately that persistence, that refusal of silence, costs him his life. But nothing absolutely nothing was going to throw John the Baptist off course or keep him from preparing the way of the Lord. Now, certainly not everyone who heard him speak will have listened to him and taken all of his words to heart. Not everyone would prepare for the Messiah that John said was coming. Not everyone would do the hard work to listen, to stretch, to change, to grow, to take in that feedback that was not always positive, was often abrasive and challenging. Not everyone <laughs> would do the work to respond to that faithfully. Because which of us, after all, likes to be confronted with our weaknesses, with our shortcomings, with our limitations, or even with the flaws of the world around us? But for those who did listen, and especially for John's disciples, who would then become Jesus' disciples, John's promise of new life was good. It was real. And it was precious new life when this group of people were able to see and be a part of the life and the ministry of Jesus. Those who were starving feasted on the truth. Those who were lonely and unsure what their purpose was suddenly were a part of the greatest movement, the greatest work that the world has ever known. And they were part of that work themselves with their very human, very regular hearts and hands and feet. There is a reason that we hear from John the Baptist every year, and it's because tucked inside his wild mythical image, at the center of John, underneath the layers of camel hair and the smell of locusts and whatever else, what we find in John is a human, a human being, a normal person, just like you, who becomes something more 
when he does the work that God has given him to do. All those many years ago, God sent John to prepare the way for Jesus, to make ready the hearts of the people around him to receive the Savior. No small task. To prepare them for what they might see that was very different than what they expected. And to give them the hard news that they weren't living the way they should. They weren't in right relationship with God and with their neighbors. And he does that so well because he listens for God. He waits for Jesus. He knows who he is. And he loves God's people. This becomes his whole life, a life that is marked by service and mission and love. And because of it, the world is ready to receive the Lord when he comes. Because of it, the story is passed down. and We are more ready to receive the Lord when he comes. So now, it's not John that God is sending. It's you. Your baptism is descended from the same baptism of John, the baptism that Jesus himself claims, a story that we'll hear in just a few weeks. Your baptism too, though I suspect it looked a little bit different. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Your baptism too was a call to live differently, a reminder that you don't belong to this world that you belong to God, and that you too have a mission and a purpose. And we repeat it every time we have a baptism in our baptismal covenant. It centers on loving God and loving our neighbor and preparing the way of the Lord with our own hands and our own feet to be a comfort and to prepare the people around us to help by clearing the obstacles and the debris, by caring for each other, for our neighbors, by building justice and equality and peace. That's when we promise to respect the dignity of every human being, to seek and serve in Christ and all people. And we do this because the hearts of our neighbors will be able to receive the gift if they are less burdened, less distracted. And if we engage in that work, then we might be ready too to receive the greatest gift when it comes. You, like John, were born with a purpose. And it wasn't just to be a teacher or a banker or an investor or a doctor or a mom or a dad or any of the other roles that we have in this life, though those are all good things and they are very often holy. You, like John, are first and foremost born to be a part of God's plan. And God sends you into the midst of this broken down, sick and lonely world with your hands and your heart and all the rest of the gifts that you have been so freely given, so that you, like John, can be the one who comes with good news and shows up and cares for the people around you and prepares them to receive the good news, the voice that comes to clear the path. Maybe for many someones, not just one someone. So that, like John, you can contribute to the needs of the saints, so that you can contribute to the needs of this place, of our community at St. Matt's, and thereby be present with those who mourn, to comfort those who need it, to give strength to those who are weak, and to celebrate in joy in those moments when we are blessed and aware of God's abundant gifts. You are called to be a part of this work. You were intended to be part of it from the very beginning, from even before you were born. And your baptism, like John's, sends you into the world to be a disciple and an apostle and to be part of God's prophetic work. 
even as we wait for what God promises us. What we hear about in the epistle this morning, new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. So in this second week of Advent, this morning, this afternoon, this week, visit with John the Baptist in your prayer, in your reflection, in your heart. Consider the wild parts of him that love God and learn from them. Let them help you free up the wild parts of you that want to love God too. As part of that, understand that God expects us to give and to be part of sustaining the life of a community that sustains our life and the life of the community around us. And so if you haven't pledged for 2021, do that today. In fact, use the information in your bulletin to go to the website now. Your pledge is a spiritual promise. It is not by any stretch the only component of your discipleship or the only part of the work that God calls you to, but it is a crucial one. Help us to continue to do God's work in the year ahead, in this year when we hope that we will gather together again and prepare the way in person, and all of our life together will be made new. Don't just hope for that future. Recognize that you are called to be a part of planning for it and helping us to get there, just like John was part of preparing the way for the Lord, using all that he had and all that he was to clear the path and to help others. We too are called to do the same thing, to make it possible for more people to participate, to believe, to hear the good news, and to be ready for the gift when it comes. And in the midst of that, you can be thankful, give thanks and rejoice that even when you find someday that you are as wild and faithful as John, you still won't have to go in on the locusts and wild honey. Amen.